Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Territories of the Lekwungen-speaking people, the Songhees, and the Esquimalt First Nations. And with that, I wanted to introduce Dr. Bonnie Henry. Thank you, and good afternoon. Uh, for today's update, uh, we have 25 new cases who have tested positive in our numbers today um, here in British Columbia, bringing our total of uh, test positive cases to 1,724. Um, that includes 707 people in the Vancouver Coastal Health Region, 715 in the Fraser Health Region, 109 people now on Vancouver Island Health, 153 in the Interior Health Region, and 40 people in the Northern Health Region. We have no new uh, long-term care facility outbreaks today. Uh, we're now up to 319 uh, cases in long-term care or assisted living um, with 20 uh, outbreaks ongoing still in our long-term care and assisted living facilities and one associated with a unit in acute care facility. Oh, uh, we're up to uh, 76 people who are uh, associated with the Mission Federal Correctional Facility, including 65 inmates and 11 staff. In addition, I've uh, uh, talked about um, our concerns about uh, workers who have returned from working in the Curl Lake project in uh, northern Alberta. Uh, we have no new people to identify, but I just want to reiterate the importance of anybody who has worked at Curl Lake since um, the end of March that we are asking you, uh, requiring you uh, to self-isolate for 14 days after your return and recognizing that some people may have already been back for more than 14 days. If you do have symptoms or some of your close contacts have symptoms that might be associated with COVID-19, to connect with 811 or to call your local public health or your primary care provider so we can have you assessed and tested if needed. Um, in addition, we have now 109 people who are hospitalized with COVID-19 here in BC, including 51 people in critical care and ICU. We have one additional death to report since our last reporting period. Another one of our seniors our elders who uh, has passed away from a long-term care facility outbreak in Vancouver Coastal Health. Our family, uh, our thoughts go out to the family and to the caregivers of this person. There are 1,041 people who are considered fully recovered from COVID-19 in BC. In addition today, I want to uh, uh, um, let people know about an additional outbreak that has been identified in the Vancouver Coastal Health Region at the United Poultry Company in Vancouver. Uh, a number of employees have tested positive. This came to light over the weekend when Vancouver Coastal Health was investigating one of the community cases that had been uh, identified and it became apparent there were a number of other people in the workplace who were positive and we now have uh, up to 28 employees who have tested positive for this virus. Uh, 
Not all of those people are included in today's numbers as some of the testing was done yesterday and will be reported over the coming days. Um, however, we did get a, an updated outbreak report from Vancouver Coastal, so I'm giving you the numbers of people that we know about right now. The plant has been closed and uh, the close contacts have been notified of the people we know and the investigation uh, with Vancouver Coastal Health leading and working with the Canadian Food Inspection Agency as this is a federally inspected plant. So the health teams um, are um, uh, doing the contact tracing and uh, investigation of this outbreak even as we speak. I do want to say that I know there will be concerns about the products that have come out of this. So this is a chicken processing plant. We don't have any evidence uh, that COVID-19 can be spread from uh, meat and from consuming of, of products like that or from packaging on, uh, on meat or uh, chicken in this case. Uh, on the other hand, we do know that poultry, um, raw poultry, can have other bacteria on it, particularly Salmonella and Campylobacter. On the other hand, we do know that poultry, um, raw poultry, can have other bacteria on it, particularly Salmonella and Campylobacter. And it's very important that people maintain the important hygiene uh, practices around handling of raw chicken, including cleaning your hands, being mindful of cross-contamination, making sure that uh, uh, poultry is cooked appropriately and making sure that you clean surfaces after handling uh, raw poultry. I want to talk a little bit about our goal in public health in uh, how we're moving forward in managing the pandemic here in British Columbia over the coming weeks and months. Our goal, of course, is to do all we can to limit the potential for transmission and also to minimize the impact of these necessary public health measures on our communities and our families across the province. So every decision that we take about what to do, about how to lessen um, some of the restrictions, what restrictions we put in, how to manage them, and how to allow people to continue with their lives while maintaining some of the important restrictions are things that we have considered um, in, in great detail. We have stepped up in British Columbia, despite the hardships that many of these public health measures have entailed. And you have rec recognized the importance of maintaining things like our safe physical distance, being mindful of those around us, keeping our community strong, and showing that compassion and care that we can get through this together. We know that this has been hard on all of you, on all of us, both uh, mentally, emotionally, um, financially and in some cases physically as well. I understand that this is not easy, but we can look to the future knowing that we're getting through this together, that it is not forever, but we must continue to act today. We are at that important crossroads in these, these few weeks right now, and I know you've heard this before, but every day counts and every action counts, and we look at what's happened uh, with the most recent outbreak we need to find the cases in our community. We need to contain these outbreaks so that they don't spread. And when we are maintaining our distances, these unrecognized transmissions don't spread widely. We don't get those explosive outbreaks that we've seen in some other communities. But this 
remains incredibly important right now. This virus continues to circulate in our communities around the province, and sometimes it's unknown. It's unknown because we may not recognize that we're sick, or we may have that, that um, feeling that we need to go into work, that we need to be um, present to take care of the essential business that we're doing and overcome those symptoms that we have. Right now is so important for those of us, for all of us, to recognize in ourselves and in those we are working with. If you have a respiratory illness, stay home. If you have a cough, if you have the sniffles, if you're feeling unwell, stay home. That is the most important thing that we need to continue to do within our communities, our families, and our businesses right now. The other important things, of course, are maintaining that safe distance cleaning our hands regularly, maintaining um, our clean, cleanliness in our environment, particularly those high-touch areas. Getting back to work is something that we are all looking forward to. We are looking ahead and thinking about getting back to school, getting back to seeing our family and our friends again. But now is the time to start thinking about how do we do this safely with our precautions in place and making sure we have those in place to protect those who are most likely to have severe illness from this disease, particularly our elders and our seniors, our younger populations who have underlying health conditions like diabetes or immune suppression, who are going through cancer treatments, people with heart disease. We are all um, at risk if we start um, transmitting this virus in our community and we know that if we become sick and we pass it on, the people that we are closest to are the ones that are more likely to be affected. So our focus needs to ensure that the storm has lessened and passed before we let up on our restrictions. But to our workers, our entrepreneurs, our business owners, they can join the essential workers who have done so much these past weeks to keep our economy going, to keep our essential services, the things we need in place as this wave has passed. Every time people step into our classroom, into, onto a construction site, or into a hospital and do it safely right now, know that we appreciate all that you are doing. We need to stay vigilant, we st need to stay connected, and we need to stay committed to this. We will find our new normal in the coming weeks, but it is not yet the time to lessen our guard. We need to continue to get through this together by remaining kind to each other, remaining calm, and staying safe. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Henry, and uh, on uh, Behalf, I know of everyone who's working on COVID-19 throughout the hospital system. I wanted to join Dr. Henry in passing on uh, our condolences to the family of the person who died in the last 24 hours uh, as a result of COVID-19. It is a very, very difficult thing in these times, and they and the other 86 families, the people who have passed away, are in our thoughts and in our hearts every day. Every person is important. Every case is important, and that's the way that we're trying to address this issue together in BC. I wanted to note we have, uh, as Dr. Henry has said, 109 people in acute care hospitals. That's 55 in Fraser Health uh, and uh, 35 in Vancouver Coastal Health, and then 11 in Interior Health, 5 on the island, 3 in Northern Health for a total of 109. Just to put it in context, we have 
4,268 available beds. Our occupancy rate is at about 61.7%, which is slightly higher than it was um, a week or so ago. The occupancy rate in, in critical care is 45.8%. Importantly, um, uh, I wanted to talk briefly about emergency room visits. They were, there were on March 9th, 6,559 emergency visits, room visits in BC in that day, uh, which was a typical day in that period. That number dropped um, to April 6th when the number was under 3,000, 2,995. Uh, yesterday, the number of emergency room visits was back up to 4,015. It's one of the reasons why the, Dr. Henry and I have been saying to with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. People that the healthcare system is there for you. That met, there are many, many people struggling with non-COVID-19 related conditions right now. And that system is there for you. And I think people are listening. I, I see the return to towards more normal levels, still well below what it was before, but more normal levels as a sign that, uh, as a good sign in the sense that people are seeking out care when they need it and um, I want to encourage people to always 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 do that I want to bring further updates on um, issues around uh, personal protective equipment uh, and uh, in particular uh, with respect to respirators uh, there's always questions about these issues and there's some discussion and there has been some discussion in other problems this is why yesterday I talked about the importance of the of the testing that we're doing of all uh, new personal pr protective equipment in BC before it's put into service, before it's used um, by healthcare workers in BC. And just to say that we have, uh, because there's a lot of talk of different equipment, that N95 uh, res respirators are particular disposable particulate masks that's worn on the face and covers the nose and mouth. It's used to reduce the wearer's risk of inhaling hazardous airborne particles, including biological agents such as bacteria and viruses. And the 95 and N95 means the respirator filters out at least 95% of airborne part particle, uh, particles. Uh, a respirator will only work if used correctly. Thus, the key elements for respiratory protection are fit testing and training of each worker in the use, maintenance, and care of the resp respirator. Occupational health and safety teams undertake fit testing and education with healthcare workers prior to them donning respirators to ensure their safety. N95 is the certified standard code used in the United States and Canada uh, under the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, or NIOSH. And while 3M is our traditional supplier, other manufacturers can and do produce N95 respirators. It's about the standard, 
not the brand. There is something called a KN95 respirator, which you'll have heard about. It has of equally effective properties as the N95 respirator. The difference in name is reflective of the different certification systems used in China, where the KN95 is standard code, or other countries such as Australia, New Zealand, uh, Korea, or Japan. To expand the uh, availability of N95 respirators during the pandemic, equivalent alternate standards have been deemed accessible, uh, acceptable by Health Canada. This includes respirators that are approved or certified under standards used in other countries that are similar to NIOSH-approved N95 respirators. For example, this includes KN95 respirators. So I want to say in that context, uh, give a summary of, of the PPE we've received uh, at, through our own efforts uh, as well as um, from the federal government. Uh, with respect to N95 or KN95 re respirators, we have, uh, and all of these require testing and are being tested before being put into service. We received 3,700,000 uh, 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 N95s and KN95s. Approximately 3 million of those are N95s. This is uh, principally from China. Uh, surgical masks, 1 million. Face shields, 300,000. Gloves, 1 million sets. From the federal government, and these are tested and in the system, N95s, 98,700. Surgical masks, 918,000. Gloves, 224,400. And, and as you'll know, Alberta uh, is uh, sending us um, uh, 250,000 N95s, which are a 3M product, and uh, therefore will, re will not require testing. As well, we're receiving many donations, and we're very appreciative of that. So I wanted to bring people up to date as to where we are and the extraordinary efforts being, being led by um, um, both the health authorities and the Ministry of Health to ensure that uh, people have adequate protection in our health care system. I also wanted to do a brief update on some of the improvements to primary care that have taken place in the province um, in the last uh, month. Well, we've obviously been focused on other things. Um, three uh, uh, new urgent and primary care centers have opened in permanent uh, locations. In Vernon, the UPCC is now operational at its permanent location. It had opened last December at a temporary location at 3306 A32nd Avenue in Vernon. Um, in Abbotsford, as of April 17th, a new UPCC is now open at 100 uh, Unit 100-2692 Clearbrick Road, and it's currently functioning as a COVID-19 assessment site and will transition to a UPCC at the appropriate time. And in Castlegar, as was announced last month, a new UPCC opened April 6th at the, uh, at the Castle Garden District Community Health Center. And it's just to say that we're continuing to work and work hard uh, to ensure that, uh, that primary care in particular, in a time when primary care and UPCCs have, I think, shown um, their worth, is continuing to develop and expand even in the, within the challenges of COVID-19. And finally, I want to just highlight um, the town halls that are taking place in all of the health authorities. I want to thank all of the MLAs involved, all of uh, the, um, the CEOs and medical health officers involved. Uh, last Friday, um, uh, uh, Bowen Ma and John Yap hosted a town hall with uh, Vancouver Coastal Health that had more than 17,000 people tuned in. Uh, yesterday, um, uh, Rachna Singh and John Martin, two of my colleagues in the legislature, along with CEO Victoria Lee and uh, Medical Officer uh, of Health, Dr. Martin Lavoie, Lavoie uh, 
um, hosted uh, about, about 8,000 people at a town hall. Tonight on Vancouver Island, Mitzi Dean, Sonia Firstenau, with CEO Kathy McNeil, and Medical Officer of Health, uh, Health Officer Richard, Dr. Richard Stanwick will be uh, hosting at 715 uh, um, uh, virtual town hall. On the 22nd, uh, tomorrow, Northern Health uh, will be hosted by MLA's Mike Bernier and Doug Donaldson with CEO Kathy Ulrich and Raina Fumerton, who's the, uh, the medical health officer there. And on Thursday, April 23rd, in Interior Health, uh, colleagues Norm Letnick, Katrina Conroy, and Dr. Sue Pollock, and Susan Brown, the CEO of Interior Health, will be hosting a town hall. I again want to express my appreciation to all of those involved and the thousands of British Columbians who are asking questions. Finally, I want to say that um, the Premier has said that he's leading an all-BC government approach on how to best move BC forward. This involves all ministries and all agencies. And as he said, um, we need to be, in every case, directed by the science. He'll, of course, be saying more in the coming weeks about BC's ways forward, updating everyone regularly as he's doing and he will do tomorrow. For my part, I'm focused obviously on the healthcare system and restoring scheduled surgeries. That's a huge effort that involves uh, Deputy Minister Stephen Brown, uh, Michael Marchbank, who has uh, been appointed to uh, lead this task, and many more. And we're looking at all of these questions, understanding the impact uh, that the cancellation of surgeries has had on people and the need for people of those surgeries. Uh, everybody involved. Uh, from Dr. Henry to uh, Stephen Brown to Mr. Marchbank to all of the people involved are all in in that work and preparing that work. And I guess I want to say this though, it's still dependent on all of us being all in on flattening the curve, all of us driving the number of new transmissions of COVID-19 down, all of us doing what we can do from washing our hands to staying home with, when we're sick to make sure that we can do everything we can to flatten the curve so that we can return not to the old normal but to a new normal that allows us to function more uh, and more openly as a, as a society, as a group in BC. So I want to thank everybody for all they're doing and uh, say just a few words in French and then we'll be happy to take your questions. Aujourd'hui, nous annonçons 25 nouveaux cas pour un total de 1,724 cas de COVID-19 en Colombie-Britannique. Nous sommes attristés d'annoncer un nouveau décès lié au COVID-19 dans la région de santé de Vancouver Coastal pour un total de 87 décès en Colombie-Britannique. Nous offrons nos condoléances à tous ceux qui ont perdu leurs proches. Chaque région de santé compte des patients atteints de COVID-19, bien entendu. 707 se trouvent à Vancouver Coastal, 715 à Fraser, 109 sur l'île de Vancouver, 153 dans l'intérieur et 40 au nord. Parmi l'ensemble des cas confirmés de COVID-19, 109 personnes sont actuellement hospitalisées, dont 51 en soins intensifs. Les autres personnes dont le test de dépistage a été positif sont uh, en isolement à leur domicile. And with that, we're happy to take your questions. Thank you. As a reminder to everybody on the phone, please press star 1 to enter the queue. You are limited to one question. Please unmute your phones. You will not be audible until we call your name. First question today is from Ian Bailey, Global Mail. Go ahead, please. A uh, question to Dr. Henry. Dr. Henry, you've uh, been asked about a number of industries. Um, I want to ask you a question about the film and TV production sector. The Premier has spoken of this as an important sector for British Columbia. What are your thoughts about how film and TV production could resume in British Columbia. You know, this happens, this work is done on sets where it's a lot of close quarters work, 
people sharing, you know, eating buffet meals and sort of the same sort of from the same settings. Is there any thoughts on how this industry could start again? Yeah, you know, I think it's the same question for all industries that we're thinking about. And there's um, more or less risk to different types of industries. So what I'm saying is there needs to be some, uh, there, there needs to be guidance that we are putting out uh, that talks about how do we best protect the safety of those who are working there, people who are involved in it, and importantly as well, our families and our communities here in BC. So there will be restrictions around numbers of people that can be in an area at one time, around the physical distancing, around the hand hygiene, around being absolutely certain that people are not coming into the environment if they have any illness. And you know, there's also times when we can't be, um, we can't physically stay apart from each other. So, is there ways that we can try and make that less risky? And things like uh, wearing of non-medical masks for certain situations may be helpful. So, within those parameters of how we make sure that we're not um, setting up a situation where we're going to have lots of of contact between people that will then um, allow for spread in our community. Those are the things that are most important. And, you know, I talked about this yesterday with the restaurant industry. I'm looking to industry to say, how can we do that within those parameters for the coming months? Recognizing that this is not forever. This is until we reach a point where we can get back to um, a much more normal. And that has to do with um, the, the amount of immunity in our population and the behavior of the virus over time. So we've said it before, a lot of it depends on having a vaccine and that's what's going to protect us the most. But between now and then, there's ways that we can open up our communities, open up our, our businesses and still maintain that important safety factor that protects us all. Next question is from Binder Sajjan, CTV, go ahead. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hi, Dr. Henry. Just following up on what Ian asked there, there are some uh, businesses where I imagine you can't get rid of the close contact if you're not thinking about like massage therapists, um, physiotherapists, dentists, if you're getting your eyes checked. And I know there are a number of people who are looking forward to getting back to being able to access some of those health services. But I'm wondering, how does that look in the new normal? I mean, businesses, I guess, would have to... Um, be able to deal with a level of risk in case any one of their employees came down with it and what that would mean in the community. But also a lot of these appointments are usually scheduled back to back. So I'm just wondering sort of what you envision that back to normal in the next or new normal in the next year and a half might look like. 
exactly. And you've, said, you've touched on some of those important points. So yes, I do think it's important for us to get back to physiotherapy. You know, we know it's really important for people who are recovering from those surgeries that are going to start again, for example. Um, so yes, we know that there's dental procedures that need to happen. But we need to do it in the context that recognizes that we are at risk as a community and, and we are at risk individually in our practice. So yes, there, there, we need to look at not having everybody sitting in the waiting room at the same time. So it may mean that we have people coming in at set appointments. We may not be able to see as many people in a day. But we have to do it in a way that we have the appropriate protections in place. We have hand hygiene available. We have separation for the, the reception staff, for example, for people sitting in a waiting area, um, making sure that we can have this minimize the number of people. So it's going to take differences in our flow through and how we do that. Um, and we were looking at, and it's going to take us to be very vigilant about our staff and about us if we're feeling unwell at all to, to stay home. And also we need to understand the impacts in the community if we start to allow other things to happen as well. So if I'm working in a higher risk environment, like in a dental office or a physiotherapist, then I need to still be vigilant at home that I'm not having lots of other connections because I'm more likely to uh, get sick and more likely to bring it into my practice or bring it back into my family life. So those are all the things that we need to start thinking about where we can find that, that balance where we increase what we're doing but it's not going to be right away back to what it was before when we have lots of people sitting together for periods of time and then we have close contact with them. So I think those are some really good things to think about. How do I make sure that we don't have you know, all the workers coming in sick and not recognizing it and, and, you know, a couple of outbreaks that we've had recently have, have expanded because people have not paid attention to um, even having mild illness and that, that presenteeism that we have. And I know it's, it's very strong in, in healthcare that we feel like we need to be there because people are depending on us. We need to be really careful about that for the next year and that, that cannot change. We need to have that um, being able to stay away from others if we're sick, being able to clean our hands regularly, being able to maintain safe distances, putting in barriers that protect us from um, spreading our droplets to others. And that may be a mask, that may be physical barriers like a plexiglass. Next question is from Shannon Waters, BC Today. Hi, Dr. Henry. Um, we seem to be looking to the future more and more these days. And when we talk about a vaccine being developed, the timeline is often a year. But once it's proven to be effective, to whatever degree that might be, it's then going to have to be deployed. saw some polling today that suggested that about 73% of people, Canadians polled right now, say that they would be willing to get vaccinated where one develops. So I'm wondering your thoughts on that issue. Do we know um, what kind of uh, compliance with a vaccine program is going to be necessary in order to provide adequate herd immunity once we get to the point where we have a vaccine? And do we have any idea how long it might take to deploy a vaccine once one is developed? 
Yeah, so really good questions. And we have a little bit of an idea. Um, and part of it comes from the planning. And we, we go back to our pandemic influenza plans, where, where vaccine is very much a part of that planning process. So we do have plans across the province and in Canada for, for mass vaccination clinics and for also how do we determine the sequencing of immunization. So it doesn't mean that everybody has to have this. And certainly we do not have any. Um, um, mandatory immunizations in this country, and I would not see us as having mandatory immunization for this either. But it is incredibly important that we do what we can to protect those who are most vulnerable to disease. So I would see things like people like healthcare workers being first in line uh, for the vaccine, as well as our, our seniors and elders, as well as people who have immune compromise uh, or underlying conditions that make them more at risk. So we've been thinking about that quite a bit, and we do have a framework for how we'll roll that out. Um, and it can happen quite quickly. We have seen that uh, in 2009 with the pandemic influenza vaccine when it was available. It was done more or less well in different places, and I think we have learned quite a lot from that. So it could um, be in a matter of months that we would have it available and rolled out to people across the province. And we would be looking at targeting people most at risk to start with. Keith Baldry, Global News. Hi, Hi Dr. Henry, Minister Dix. Thanks for this. Just regarding that outbreak at the chicken processing plant, we've got, um, of course, that massive outbreak at the meat packing plant in South Alberta, uh, and now this one. I just received an email from someone um, anonymously who says his wife works in a chicken processing plant in the Tri-Cities, and at least one employee there is tested positive. Is there any consideration, or are you considering having more inspections of these places where people work in close quarters and perhaps social distancing is not being observed on the work, at the work site? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Vancouver Coastal, there are um, several plants that are owned, uh, as I understand, at least one other that's owned by the same company, um, and it will be inspected. I'm not aware of any others having um, confirmed cases at this point. Um, but yes, we are very concerned, and of course, we were watching what was happening in High River. Uh, one of the differences, of course, is we don't have the same uh, uh, communal living uh, um, uh, concept here with these plants as the one in, in High River, but um, it doesn't mean that yeah, we need to make sure that things are being done appropriately. And you know, this goes back to um, the this is a federally uh, run plant, so the Canadian Food Inspection Agency is responsible for ensuring um, under the Safe Food Act for Canadians or the Safe Food for Canadians Act. And part of the requirements are that they do have a plan for managing um, in the conditions of COVID 19. So, yeah. Yes, I know Vancouver Coastal, and we've been talking around the province, not only for federally inspected plants, but the provincially inspected plants to uh, make sure that, that people are following the guidance. And again, um, you know, I'll talk about, I've talked already about the importance of recognizing if you're not feeling well, if there is illness in the environment, that people need to be staying home, and we need to hear about it. You know, uh, in public health, um, we, we uh, testing is available for anybody with symptoms of COVID-19, and we will follow up and do the investigation, and that's how this was uncovered. And it also speaks to um, recognizing that uh, even essential workplaces have to have precautions in place and have to have awareness and monitor staff for, for illness and ensure that they are taking those appropriate steps to protect people who are working in those environments. Um, and we will be stepping up for sure. 
Next question is from Cheryl Jean, CKPG. Yeah, this is a question from Minister Dix. Uh, you had alluded to the resumption of non-urgent surgeries. Can you expand on that a little bit with a timeline, if possible? The timeline. Um, the timeline is that we started working on this before the decision was taken to cancel um, what are defined as non-urgent elective surgeries, but which are really surgical, uh, uh, scheduled surgeries, and they're all important and they're all significant, and people require them in the healthcare system. So uh, that work has been uh, has been continuing since that point. It'll require a very significant effort that will involve uh, everyone involved in uh, in uh, medicine in hospital acute care across the province, and obviously we have to. Be prepared and make all the considerations to, to ensure that it's safe at least at this time, which means adequate PPE. Well, that's why I was emphasizing that question earlier, and it, it uh, requires uh, an assessment now of wait lists now that we've canceled a very significant number of, uh, of surgeries. So that work is happening now, and it requires a few things to happen. It requires us. Uh, in these weeks to continue flattening the curve. That's important. It requires enormous and significant planning to start again and to uh, decide what priorities are and what surgeries can be done most safely at this time. And it requires us being certain that our acute care facilities are able to deal with this in individual cases and, and across the system properly. But look, this is important and we're all into it. And I think once we get going, we have to, uh, in the safest possible way, give the same kind of effort we've made in the last uh, uh, weeks and months since January in addressing COVID-19 in British Columbia because we have now a significant challenge and people, all of them, need that surgery and so we have a lot of work to be done. But we're starting that work now. We're starting the planning now. It involves a lot of healthcare professionals but it also involves patients and talking to those patients about, uh, about their circumstances and that will be a requirement in advance of beginning as well because what we talked about earlier, what Dr. Henry has talked about for the last week or so is ensuring that people are confident in returning um, to healthcare settings and we're seeing that happen in the emergency room over the last week and uh, really since April 6th and uh, that's a good thing in a general sense but we have to talk to patients, those, uh, those um, uh, waiting to have their surgeries to about their level of preparation as well. So a lot of work will go into it, but it is all dependent on us continuing to be 100% all in and flattening this curve, doing all the things we need to do. And the most important of those things is that if we're sick, stay home. And uh, we need to continue to do that and all of the other things that uh, both Dr. Henry advises and of course are part of Dr. Henry's provincial health orders. Next question is from Patrick Johnston, Post Media. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm looking at this new normal, and I'm wondering what advice you have for team sports organizations like hockey and soccer in terms of both whether they have a season starting or whether they're planning their registrations and schedules for the fall. Yeah, really good question as well, and I, I don't have the perfect answer for that yet. I do think, and it's one of the things we're looking at, I think it's really important. Uh, we know that it's less risky outside than inside, and we know how important it is to have physical exercise, and, and particularly for young people um, over the, the summer months and uh, into the fall. So I think there are ways it can be done, but we need to look at how do we do it safely so that we're not sharing water bottles, sharing uh, food. We're 
are not coming together and uh, in ways we're respecting those distances, those safe distances, but still being able to, to carry on. We are also thinking about, you know, the, the numbers of people that are involved and we may have to limit that for a period of, you know, for this summer, for the coming year, um, so that we don't have large crowds watching games, for example. So I think all of those things are, are things that, that I can give some parameters around, but I need um, I need the people who are involved in those uh, setting up those types of uh, team sports to think about how we can do it in this new normal for now, recognizing that it's not going to be forever, but it is going to be for this next season, and and we need to find ways to do it that allows especially young people to get out there and to be physically active and be together. Next question is from Rob Shaw, Vancouver Sun. Oh, hi, uh, Dr. Henry. Uh, yesterday you spoke about opening up the COVID-19 testing uh, to anyone with symptoms and then using contact uh, tracing to go back. Uh, it's sort of like what we did at the beginning of the outbreak, but this time we're going back and contact tracing 48 hours before a person was symptomatic. And it seems like that's going to be an enormous undertaking in terms of labor and people tracking down all these cases, isolating them, figuring out what buses they were on, what stores they went into, who they came into contact with. So I was wondering if you could just kind of describe the sheer logistics of what this entails compared to anything we've done before in the province. Are, do we need more staff to do this? Um, and then what happens if we get to the point where we discover people might not have any symptoms at all and still be um, spreading um, that? How do, we, how do we contact trace that? And then I guess just finally, can you update us on whether we're, we're thinking of using mobile phone uh, contact tracing apps in the weeks ahead as we as we deal with this yeah so I'll start by saying this is what we do this is what we have been doing from the very beginning and that's the work of public health we do this for all of our reportable communicable diseases and from the very beginning we have been taking histories from cases for that 48 hours or longer before their uh, their symptoms started as a, and it's it's to find out where they've been, what they've been doing, but also people that may have been in close contact. So it, it speaks to the asymptomatic spread as well. What we do know is that most of this is spread between people who spend time together. So indoors, so having a meal with somebody, being in a meeting room with people for longer periods of time when we have even mild symptoms. And sometimes, you know, the, the jury's out about how much asymptomatic spread there is. But we do know that when you have those close contacts, when somebody is talking, when you're in a close environment together within, um, within a meter, those are the situations that we know this is transmitted. So we know it's transmitted mostly to the people that we are closest with and that we bring it home to our families and particularly our elders and others in our families. Uh, we bring it into our workplace and we sit and have lunch with people and that's where we spread it to each other or we're in the break room together or we, uh, you know, those are the types of settings where mostly it is spread. So we, those are the things that we try and find in public health and that's the work that we do and have been doing. And yes, we've ramped up um, the people who are able to do that and also who support us in monitoring 
continuing cases, uh, people who are um, infected, who are uh, being isolated at home, as well as the close contacts, because we want them to stay away from others. If we know you've been in contact with somebody who's a case, we want you to stay away from others for the period of the incubation period so that if you get sick, you're not passing it on to anybody else. So yes, that is the work that we've been doing. Yes, we've been ramping it up, and we expect to do it more um, coming into this new phase where we are much more focusing on everybody in the community um, now and detecting those people. Um, in terms of an app, we have been using uh, some apps um, voluntarily in some parts of the province as already to help facilitate that ongoing connection with people after they've been identified. Um, there is an initiative nationally to look at uh, an app that people would voluntarily put on their phone. Of course, we're very sensitive to the privacy issues around that. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure yet whether we're going to be part of that here in BC. Um, there's lots of different apps around the world. There's the one from Singapore as well. It's called uh, Trace Together that uh, I know Alberta is looking at in some detail, and we are also in, in BC. So one of the things that I found is that um, there's a whole lot of people that have apps <laughs> that uh, we need to sort of sort through and the federal government, the Public Health Agency of Canada has done quite a bit of that work. Um, so we are looking at what could be helpful for us, mindful of, of um, the privacy aspects that we're all concerned about. Next question is from Marcella Bernardo, News 1130. Hi again, sorry to sound um, a bit like a broken record, but with the weather getting better and physical distancing still a major issue in the Metro Vancouver area, Dr. Henry, how close are you to expanding public safety orders so that they include high traffic parks and beaches? Hmm. I'm not sure entirely what you mean. Do you mean um, forbidding people from going there? If that's what you're... Uh, well, re restricting, restricting access if you could because it seems like people aren't listening and we're seeing lots of crowds in, in high traffic areas. So I, I'm not. I do believe, and I've said this repeatedly, how important it is for us to have access to outdoor areas, particularly in urban areas where um, with people being cooped up inside um, can lead to a lot of other anxieties and, and challenges and problems, including mental health problems. What we need to do is, is if we're having challenges in certain parks in certain areas, we need to look at, with our municipal planners, with the bylaw officers, look at how we make it so it is easier to maintain those physical distance. And there's some things that we know are really helpful, like having um, one-way routes around parks or around um, uh, parks and beaches and other places. Uh, also, um, closing roads so that we don't have we have more space for people, less for um, when we don't need cars. And, and that is certainly something that's happening in Vancouver and some of the other municipalities. Um, those are the things that I think are more important. It is also, you know, we need to look at how do we increase our ability to be outside in a safe way um, over the coming months. 
We have time for one more question today. For any reporters that didn't get to ask a question, there will be a statement released later this afternoon with all the information covered off. For recommendations on protecting families and communities from COVID-19, visit bccdc.ca. For non-medical questions about the province's COVID-19 response, visit gov.bc.ca forward slash COVID-19. And for a full listing of the provincial health officer's orders, visit gov.bc.ca forward slash PHO guidance. Last question is from Georgie Smith, CBC. Good afternoon, Dr. Henry. Can you confirm when the first case was confirmed at United Poultry? Did the outbreak protocol start immediately at the plant or were all the cases detected at the same time? Yeah, so uh, Vancouver Coastal was notified on Sunday of a positive case and as part of the case investigation we always ask where somebody works and it became apparent that there, um, that the person who was identified felt there were others at the workplace who were ill as well. So on Monday uh, Vancouver Coastal went into the plant to do an inspection and uh, the people of the people who were at the plant on that day anybody with symptoms was tested and so those results have come in in the last uh, 24 hours. Uh, so they are working with CFIA. The plant was closed down and an outbreak investigation is ongoing. That's all the time we have today. Thank you. Thank you.